Welcome to Politics Done Right. I am your host, Egberto Willis. This is a progressive program that will take the mystery out of politics. This is the program that will encourage you to make sure government becomes we the people. Whether you are liberal, progressive, conservative, or otherwise, you get to hear your point of view. We are an independent media outlet that, unlike mainstream media beholden to corporations, we only owe allegiance to you. Remember, you can also send me a tweet at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. That is at Egberto Willis. Let us engage. It is politics done right. Welcome to Politics Done Right. From the studios of KPFT 90.1 FM Houston, your community radio station, we have a great program for you today. Today, it's amazing. I found a video that I recorded that in these times is prescient. It is something that we need to listen to. We never did it here on KPFT, and I figured it is the right time. It is Maurice Mitchell who is the executive director of the Workings Families Party. Uh, they're, I don't know if they're here in Texas yet, but they're in several states. And they have a new way of integrating with the Democratic Party and on their own as well to really get grassroots uh, values out there and ensure that they get the right people elected. Many people right now, they're seeing what's going on in Congress. They're seeing the failure of Big Back Better. Build Back Better. They're seeing the failure of voter voting rights. And they think it's, think it's all over. We, the little persons, no longer matter. That is not the case. The case is democracy and usurping the power from those who have stolen it with capital has always been difficult. There was nothing ever simple about it. These people didn't get in power because they were nice. These people didn't get into power because, oh, they were willing to share it. They got into power because many a times, and I'm not talking about the good folks that want to do good and just because of our economic system have done well. I'm talking for, to, about those who always want to exert their power. They want to become power more powerful and have more and more and more at your expense. They are not ever going to give that up. You have to build a movement to do that. And if you listen to Maurice Mitchell, you'll see what we're talking about. He's at the end of the interview. But we have a lot of other topics to discuss as well. And we're going to discuss many other issues as well. You can get Politics Done Right Mondays through Fridays on Facebook Live at facebook.com slash politics done right. On YouTube Live at politics slash YouTube. Please do not forget to follow me on Twitter for updates. My handle is at Egberto Willis at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. Before you get started, please remember to keep your community radio station in your minds, KPFT in your minds. Talk about it. Tell your friends about it. Tell them you know about this station in town, 90.1 FM Houston, that needs your support, that is there to provide what that nourishment that we need. 713-526-5738. KPFT.org. Visit us online. Contribute online. KPFT. 
90.1 FM. You can visit us at kpft.org. But you know how I do this. Let's get busy. So let's start with Rudnan's pieces. Then we'll go ahead and jump into that video. Michael Rudnan says, President Biden report card. First year in accomplishment and stalled priorities. The president grappled with COVID, the economy, climate change, and more. Talking a quick look at what Joe Biden has achieved and given credit where credit is due. One time $1,400 stimulus checks, maintaining eviction moratorium until the conservative Supreme Court scrapped them, pushing science-based approaches, countered pandemic, vaccines, mask wearing, testing, foreign policy restoring global approval, low unemployment rate during a pandemic appointment, 40 plus federal judges withdrawal from Afghanistan. Yes, I see ending a war and or occupation of a foreign nation as a positive. Absolutely so. Passing Infrastructure, Investment and Jobs Act, the law injects federal money into the American age, uh, America's aging public work system to repair roads and bridges, renovate ports and expand broad access, broadband access, as well as replace every lead pipe. I want to say this. All of that is true. But let's remember how easy it is always for us to do ahead and take care of capital. But human capital, build back better, is still a wish. Still a wish. And who is holding up? Those two people that you see behind me. The betrayers of the real American people. Continuing. White House to distribute 400 million free N95 masks starting next week. Adults will be able to get up to three masks each. Additional High-quality masks for children in near future. Administration officials says, great idea to encourage mask wearing during an airborne pandemic, but just wish they'd done it this a year ago when first getting into office better now than never. Yeah, you know, the problem with Biden and a lot of Democrats is that they're always playing this game. I don't want to do too much because Republicans are going to say tax and spend, tax and spend, and wastefulness. But they don't count tax cuts, which are much more wasteful than anything else in the way our economy works. They don't count that, right? So, I mean, we, uh, those that are Democrats, those that are progressives need to lean in to doing for people and stop trying to micromanage yourselves not to displease or not to have Republicans use some talking points on you because they're going to use the talking points on you anyway. So why not help the people with what you want to do? And when they use the talking points of tax and spend, you tell them, we help the people. What have you done? What did you do for our American citizens? That's what we need to be on. Listen now to Maggie Hassan, because what Maggie said is very important, and you'll see what I'm talking about as you see it. Listen now to Maggie Hassan, because what Maggie said is very important, and you'll see what I'm talking about as you see it. I know uh, I was not scheduled to speak, but I do want to respond as one of the signatories of the letter. I associate myself with everything that the other signatories have talked about in terms of wanting to restore the Senate's tradition of extended debate on issues of grave importance to the American people. But let me be clear about the reason that I now support an adjustment to the long-standing rules of the Senate. And it is because I never imagined when I signed that letter that not a single member of the Republican Party 
would stand up for our democracy since January 6th when we saw an acceleration of state laws that would allow partisans to overturn the impartial count of an election. But if we do not have a functioning democracy where people know that when they vote, that vote will be impartially counted and upheld, and the people who are defeated will accept defeat so that they can have an accountable elected representation in Washington, then there is no democracy. And when I signed that letter, I never imagined that today's Republican Party would fail to stand up for democracy. When I signed that paper, she signed a paper saying that she supported keeping a filibuster. All right. Now, I don't know if you know Hassan, but she is a pretty moderate Democrat. In fact, there are times that I wish, come on, lady, let's support more progressive policies. But when you are in a position that you've lost Hassan, when you are in a position that you have lost so many of these other mainstream Democrats, you know where it is. I want to show you a right-wing reporter being handled very well by uh, Klobuchar and Schumer. Check this out, and we'll take it on the other side. But I want you to check this out. It's a good one. The mail-in ballots drop boxes, those are among some of the provisions that are in this bill. Uh, however, those started off as pandemic-related measures back in the day, um, and they were supposed to be temporary. How exactly did they fight racism at the time if they were supposed to be temporary and they weren't voting? Okay, whoa, whoa. <laughs> First of all, mail-in balloting has been the way of voting in the state of Utah. It hasn't been temporary, and that is one red state. Could I, could you want me to, are you talking or am I? I'm talking. And mail-in balloting has been the way of life in many, many states, red, blue, and purple. And one of the things we've learned from the pandemic is that it's actually incredibly helpful in a pandemic, but it's also made it easier for people to vote. So what has gone on in some states is they've rolled back the very things that will make it easier to vote, leading to more and more, as I pointed out, confusion. The other thing it's important to know, and the reason I use the example of Montana and same-day registration, is they are also rolling back things that have long been the law in states. They basically, to quote a North Carolina court regarding a law a few years ago are discriminating with surgical precision by looking at each state and figuring out how did more people vote this way? Well, let's change that. Oh, 70,000 people registered to vote in the state of Georgia uh, during the runoff period. So let's do two things. Let's reduce the runoff period, which they have done, Senator Warnock, and then let's uh, not allow same day uh, registration, not same day, registration during that period. That's exactly what they've done. So I can give you numerous examples of both ways. They've rolled back things that they changed during the pandemic, like witnesses uh, for mail-in ballots in South Carolina. Then they took that away and things that were put in place even before the pandemic. But no matter which way they did it, it all adds up to one thing, and that is voter suppression and limiting people's freedom to vote. And voter suppression aimed not at the general population, but at particular populations, particularly people of color, urban. 
helping people, etc. Oregon, just stay students, young people. Oregon has had mail-in voting for 30 years, long before the pandemic, ma'am. It also has the highest or second highest after Minnesota percentage of people participating. Isn't it good to have a high percentage of people participating? Second highest. Manu, you get the last question. Senator Manchin suggested to us that Democrats don't have their priorities straight. Voters are concerned about inflation, the economy, COVID. Should you not be using your majority to focus on those issues rather than ones that you know is due to fix? Answered that question a whole bunch of times. We are. This is so sacred and so important. The right to vote is the wellspring of our democracy. We're not abandoning the other issues. We can do more than one. But to abandon voting rights when you have seen how important it is in the country, when it is the wellspring of our democracy, when it is so vital to bringing full equality in this country and racism has been the poison of America would be a disgrace. We're not abandoning it. We will do other things as well. We spend a lot of time. We are not abandoning it. We'll do things as well. That, you know, those two reporters, you, they ask such nonsensical question. Why don't you work on issues that American people need to be worried about? If you don't have the vote and democracy, what do you think happens, people? That is something that is very important to work on. And those two characters behind me, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema, betrayed the American people, betrayed our democracy. And what can I say? They are terrible people. Hey. Claire McCaskill's video, I think it's important. Let's go ahead and play the Claire McCaskill video because that one is a, an important video. Let's go. First of all, let's just take a moment and compare and contrast. Donald Trump did one solo press conference his first year. And if you remember, it was it was Looney Tunes. He spent the whole time attacking people personally, bragging about himself, refusing to acknowledge that he could ever do anything wrong. Look at the difference with this guy going out of his way to say, I won't publicly criticize people or attack them, going out of his way to acknowledge that there's some things he'd like to do differently. Um, I think he kind of oozed relatability and being a good guy. And so I, I think they should do this more often. Um, maybe not two hours, maybe keep it to an hour, but I think they should do it more often. And, and let me say this also, you know, I wish that every answer to every question, he would have tied in the economic success of his administration and the infrastructure bill. And this is what's driving me crazy about my former friends on Capitol Hill. We have the most jobs ever in history created in the first year of this presidency. We have record growth. We have millions, hundreds of millions of people that have got the vaccine. And we've got an infrastructure bill that is finally going to fix lead pipes and bridges and highways. This is what they should be talking about from the moment the sun comes up to the sun comes down. I know right now everyone's pushing on the voting rights, and that's important. But for 2022, if Democrats don't come back to that on every question, in every speech, if they don't remind America what this guy has gotten done, they're going to deserve what they get next November if Mitch McConnell takes over. 
Claire McCaskill hits the nail on the head. One of the problems with Democrats is they don't brag, they don't exaggerate, you know, so whereas the stock market is up 27% and you don't hear Biden saying, it's my policies that made the stock market go up. You know, out there you'd have, generally you'd have uh, Mr. Uh, Trump saying, oh, look at what I did. He does nothing, right? But look what I did, look what I did. He even create things that he never did. Biden goes ahead and he just even keel, even keel, even keel. But America somehow don't res- doesn't respect that. So it, it is high time, as Claire McCaskill says, that you go out there and toot your own horn. Tell Americans what I have done for you lately. Let Americans know all the successes that were there. Yes, we had the voter rights fiasco because of the two traitors behind me. Yes, we had the fiasco of Build Back Better not being passed, though we got an infrastructure bill. And as much as that was a bill for the plutocracy to make money on cement and iron and all those hardware things, and the social aspect of helping people was not accomplished, if in 2022 we elect the right people, that will be passed, that will get done. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. You know, sometimes a slip of the tongue actually tells you where you really are. And that's what we have here. Mitch McConnell, you know, you're pretty much just acting out what you actually do in the Senate. We get it. What's your message for voters of color who are concerned that without the John L. Lewis Voting Rights Act, they're not going to be able to vote in the midterm? Well, the concern is misplaced because if you look at the statistics, African-American voters are voting in just as high a percentage as Americans. If you look at the statistics, African-American voters are voting in just as high a percentage as Americans. What's your message for voters of color who are concerned that without the John L. Lewis Voting Rights Act, they're not going to be able to vote in the midterm? Well, the concern is misplaced because if you look at the statistics, African-American voters are voting in just as high a percentage as Americans. Then again, there's this. So, I don't know. You know, sometimes a slip of the tongue actually tells you where you really are. And that's what we have here. Mitch McConnell, you know, you're pretty much just acting out what you actually do in the Senate. We get it. I got a, a WhatsApp from Norman today. And, you know, I, I, I listened to the, to the WhatsApp and I said, Norman, I hear you. I know exactly what you're saying. I understand. I know what this guy is saying sounds plausible. It even sounds like what it is supposed to be. Unfortunately, I think otherwise, and I'll go ahead and play it. There may be a few mistakes in here, but uh, because I think I had to retrain it or anyway, but let's go ahead and play it, and then we'll take it on the, well, I'm going to play it right here. Let's go. Discussion became heated, and the two decided to submit the issue to arbitration. So they approached the judge lion. The donkey told the tiger, the grass is blue. The tiger replied, no. The grass is green. 
The discussion became heated, and the two decided to submit the issue to arbitration. So they approached the Judge Lion. As they approached the lion on his throne, the donkey started screaming, Your Highness, isn't it true that the grass is blue? The lion replied, If you believe it's true, then the grass is blue. The donkey rushed forward and continued, The tiger disagrees with me, contradicts me, annoys me. Please punish him. The king then declared, the tiger will be punished. Three days of silence, he declared. Well, the donkey jumped with joy and went on his way, content and repeating, the grass is blue, the grass is blue. Well, in private, the tiger asked the lion, your majesty, why have you punished me? <laughs> After all, the grass is green. The lion replied, you've known and seen the grass is green. The tiger asked, so then why do you punish me? The lion replied, that has nothing to do with the question of whether the grass is blue or green. The punishment is because it is degrading for a brave, intelligent creature like you to waste time arguing with an ass. And on top of that, you came and bothered me with that question just to validate something you already knew was true. You see, the biggest waste of time is arguing with a fool and fanatic who doesn't care about truth or reality, but only the victory of his or her beliefs or illusions. Never waste time on discussions that make no sense. There are people who, for all the evidence presented to them, do not have the ability to understand, nor do they want to understand. They just want to argue. Others who are blinded by ego or hatred and resentment, the only thing that they want is to be right even if they aren't. The saying goes, when ignorance screams, intelligence moves on. Until next time. Now, here's my disagreement. We are one country. I want everybody to listen to me in detail. I am not a fool. I am not gullible. I don't believe in fallacies. I don't believe in fantasies. I don't believe that a, that all people are immutable. So it, given the, that, that belief system and given that I've seen it in practice, I cannot simply abide by that intelligent man's request because it's a true request for a good amount of people. But it's not a good request for the vast majority of people. And that is where... I think I come across the, the people that have the largest voice. They're loud, they're on TV, and everybody follows them. But everybody else are trying to just survive. They're just trying to live. And to make the loud mouths who have no, they, they know better. This guy is right. When he says, do not argue with an ass, a fool, he's a fool. 
The problem is that in that regard, he's right with the external fool and ass. He's wrong about what's happening on internal in many of these people. Don't you think, uh, don't you think Hannity knows that he's lying and he's putting a whole lot of people into dire straits? Yes, he does. But he's fulfilling the task of his masters. Okay? So we can say, and, and because what Hannity has done is he has created a trust regime between a group of people that trust him. And in trusting him and liking him, they believe what he has to say. And to some extent, they want to will what he has to say into reality. My contention is, 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 is quite similar, just with truth. What do I mean by that? I told a person one time, we were having a discussion, and this guy, right winger, why do you keep doing this to me, you know? I said, I asked him one question. I said, do you like me? And he, and he bowed his head, and he said, the reason I, anytime I see your car at Starbucks, I come in is, yeah, I like you, you know? And I said, if you really believe all the things that you spout out here, why do you keep coming? I want to see if you have a backstop for everything that I hear. In other words, he wasn't willing, he, he, he is developing trust in me, Right? Because at some point, if he makes a turn, it's going to be because of that trust that he developed in me. I mean, it sounds unrealistic it sounds, to some people who hear all the noise on TV. It sounds like it's impossible. But it's only... Imp and you know who wants you to believe it's impossible? The plutocracy. You, uh, Brother Ledo came on here and he says, we've done educating, we've done doing all these things. And Daniel Ledo is talking as if he believes what's next is some sort of a civil war. And that is what the plutocracy wants. Oh, you know, a civil war comes. It won't be a civil war like, like we had in 1862-63. That's not the kind of civil war we're talking about. It will be one in which the capitalists continue to make a whole bunch of money. You see, people don't... The reason I don't ever give up, the reason I continue doing this, is I know better. I know that the plutocrats make money on all sides. You know, it, it, as, a, as a weapon sellers, right? America sells more weapons than anybody else. And guess what? We furnish weapons to the people that are killing each other. We furnish weapons to the guerrillas. We furnish weapons to the states. We furnish weapons to everybody, just like Brazil does as well, right? It's all about the money. So what I'm saying is I am not going to go out there and fight Daniel Lado. I'm not going to go out there and fight Eric Hayes. I'm not going to go out there and fight Mike Cisak. I'm not going to go out there and fight Brother Grant. I am not going to do any of that because that's what they want us to do. They, I do that, they win because that's the game they're playing. They need us to be at each other's throats 
And if I can put inside of my body enough hate for all my right-wingers, then I spend all my time fighting them. Instead, I spend my time shoring up my lefties, my, my good old lefties. I spend all the time in the world shoring them up, empowering them. But at the same time, I spend, as, as Brother Tom is saying here, pointing out that the emperor has no clothes and letting them see that the liberal that they thought, or not the liberal, because uh, I don't think uh, both myself and Michael Rodney will not accept that as just the liberals, because we're not liberals, we're leftists, okay? That the progressives somehow or people who want to take something away from you. Our job is to prove that that caricature that you see on Fox News isn't true. Because that caricature on Fox News, hell, I would be scared off too. That is the magic, folks. So my, my right-wingers in here, this is no act, okay? This is a deliberate this is a deliberate way of being to beat the plutocracy. I have no, I have no at all love for the plutocracy, for politicians, Republican or Democrat or otherwise that are there to really do one thing and to make sure the population at large are fighting each other. That's not my game. Right now, the power of making progressive change lays within, lies within the Democratic Party because there is some room in there with 90-something plus progressives that are trying to make a change. And so far, the Republican Party has proven itself to be a party of death. That 780,000 people don't, seven, don't make you feel guilty for preaching policies that kill your own. If you look at where the deaths are occurring in this country, it is exactly under red state government or, or, or Republican principled places. That is where the deaths are occurring. Take a look at what's happening. They're killing their own. Many say, oh, great. Uh, survival of the fittest. Let them kill themselves. I can't do that either. I can't believe in that either because I become them. I become just as evil as they are. So my thing, Brother Reynolds, I understand what the brother was saying when he talks about don't talk to a fool. You see, I don't consider them fools. I gen and I mean that, mean that from the depth of my heart. And I, I want to give a correlation here. A person who grew up in Saudi Arabia knows nothing in the aggregate other than being under, reared under that domain where women are second-class citizens or what. That's how they were reared. That is ingrained in them. Okay? I was raised in Panama. Ingrained in me was sexism. Ingrained in me was homophobia. What happened to me? I was educated. Okay? I was educated. We have to leave the doors open 
for education. And it's not, I tell you something. Hell, my daughter, my wife, no, they don't listen to me at the first time. Maybe they eventually they say, oh, yeah, I guess you were right, eh? So why would I expect a stranger to do the same with me? It's going to take some effort. And what I talk about geometric progression, when I talk about geometric progression in the grassroots, what I'm talking about is starting small, teaching others to be progressively geometric. And in doing so, in doing so, that is how ultimately we'll make change. Are we really take, talking about Republicans and racism? Sure. I'll join a majority of Republicans or racists according to multiple polls. Look, Republicans are no more racist than Democrats. I go to all the liberal stuff, to the conventions and all of that. Republicans go out of the way when I go to the Republican functions to make me feel comfortable in, in all white spaces. I don't need to, I don't need anybody to make me feel comfortable in all white spaces. I feel comfortable everywhere. You can see the concerted effort when I go to Republican events where they, they want to dispel the notion that they're racist. So, you know, they try to make me feel comfortable. When I go to my progressive, my liberal uh, organizations or whatever, I encounter a ton of racists that, you know, both the recessive one and the real ones. And I've written about this, that story at my blog site. Progressives are intellectually not racist. The policies that we want to pass are that of inclusivity. We promote inclusivity in the party. We also promote inclusivity in a lot of different areas. But when it comes to human nature, in my experience, and I'm all over the place, before the pandemic that is, I have not found uh, Democrats or progressives to be any less racist or more racist than Republicans. I remember one time my wife used to say things like, people are people. And it's the truth. Some of us put on an act because, you know, we have to be a certain way. And I think unless we confront all these issues, the reason why Democrats don't ever feel that need to fulfill their promise to the black community, let's say, or the Latino community after they get into power, it's not because that uh, they can't get it done. It's because they don't think they don't think them sufficiently as meritorious. They don't think them sufficiently equal to them. That's why they will change the bills to pass the debt ceiling, and I agree with that. They'll change it to increase the debt, and I agree with that. But how is voter rights for everybody less important than that? It's not. And the reason why is in the, you know, I want to make this clear to my progressive listeners as well, because it's only we who can change ourselves as well. If they thought the same, if they gave the same importance to people of color, knowing what the Republicans are doing right now, we would not be discussing this. These laws would be passed already. But they think of others as less meritorious, less human, less deserving, less equal. Racism is across the board. Like I said, Daniel come in here and says some racist things. But I'm not going to tag Daniel and say, oh, Daniel is so much more racist than a lot of other progressives I know out there that just aren't saying the things Daniel is willing to say out loud. Folks, we have, a, I don't want to call it a treat because that's not what we say, but we have somebody here special. We have a special progressive, a progressive of progressives. This is Maurice Mitchell, who is the national director of the Working Party's family. Maurice. 
welcome aboard. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here. Let me let me first tell you, I saw you at a uh, conference here at, at Netroots Nation, and everybody who left that room was impressed. Not solely because of your present, but because of your message. Mm -hmm. What I want you to uh, tell our audience here is what does the Working Families Party represent first? And what you taking directorship of that means going forward. Absolutely. So I could describe what we do in many ways. But in the same way that the traditional political establishment is very accountable to millionaires, billionaires, and corporations, the Working Families Party is accountable to everyday working people. Right. Right. And we seek to sort of pioneer this idea of non-delusional right. third-party politics. Right. So explain that. So what is a party? Right. What ultimately is a party? A party is maybe four things. People who freely assemble to engage in electoral work, to advance a platform that is distinct, that is governed by a coherent ideology. Ideology is just the world, just the vision of the world that you want it to be. Right. Right. When you're doing that, you're essentially showing up functionally as a party. So we are a party because we assert we're a party and because we do electoral work in that fashion. And we elect grassroots candidates, many times primarying Democrats, right, who otherwise would never be able to run and win. People who have been on the margins of power, everyday working people, LGBT people, uh, people of color, people with a radical political agenda that doesn't fit into the norms. We, we elect those people again and again and again on the local level and on, on the legislative level all around the country. We endorse folks. We've endorsed more than a thousand people last cycle. And we recruit and run people. And so, for example, Morgantown, West Virginia City Council, we last cycle, we won every single race in that in that uh, campaign, in that in that election. Mm -hmm. That's Morgan, Morgantown, West Virginia. That isn't Berkeley. That isn't that isn't Williamsburg. That isn't like a progressive center. Um, the school board of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, wow. we won that. One of our one of our uh, national committee members, Mandela Barnes, is the lieutenant governor of Milwaukee. He's a 32-year-old black man named Mandela that has progressive values, winning in the Midwest, winning in the quote-unquote blue wall, right? So the political orthodoxy tells us that in order to win uh, with working class people in the Midwest, we need to be small with our politics. We need to de we need to deny our progressive values, and we need to just kind of engage in this sort of third way, right. small bore sort of uh, issue agenda. Well, what we've seen, and we've proven it time and time again, that everyday working people want an agenda that where a vision actually meets the demands that they're facing. And, and people are facing a, a, a crisis that is, that is at an existential scale. Right. And so you can't witness this crisis at an existential scale and then give people band-aids. Right. And give people small solutions. That's not going to inspire people to vote or to organize. I want, I want to make a comment to something you said uh, for radical ideas. Yeah. It, is it really radical if that's what most people really want? 
Well, in the most fundamental definition of the word radical, which means at the root, uh-huh. most people want root fixes. Right. When, when you want something fixed, do you want it fixed halfway, in, in halfway no. or do you want it fixed in a fundamental way? You want it fixed. Of course. And, and, and so the people that don't want root fixes is a sp- very small niche group of very privileged people. Because when things are fixed at the root, when things are, are fixed structurally, it probably means that somebody somewhere is either sharing or giving up some form of power, right? And, and that somebody somewhere usually has access to a lot of power and they want to constrain our ability to share in the bounty that is America. And so radical isn't extreme, right? right? The thing that is extreme is extreme centrism. Extreme corporatism. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Simply responding to the urgent callings of everyday people is the most sensible thing you could possibly do. Choosing to find a problem and decide we're going to fix it for good is the most sensible thing you could possibly do. Right? So the radicals, the true, the, the true extremists, the true extremists are the people who, who are ex- extremely centrist and, and ignore... In order to ignore the beating heart of the grassroots, millions and millions of people, you have to be extremely toned up. Right. Right? So they use the language of, of um, extremism with us. Right. But what we're talking about is common sense every day is where most people are at. Um, but, but it isn't where the establishment, it isn't where elite opinion makers on right. television are at. And so if you're reading the papers, if you're watching 24-hour news... Um, if you're in elite opinion conversations, then that conversation is on another planet than the, the kitchen table conversation that people are having every day. You used an example today that I want you to use to our audience. Right yeah. now. It's very important. You're, you're walking home. You go into your mother and father's home. That's right. And you watch them watching TV. Mm-hmm. You watch them watching a bunch of elitists mm-hmm. telling them what is wrong with them who yeah. have never ever lived their experience that's right I mean it's one of the things that I, I remarked on so my, pe- my, my, my mom and dad are, are working class immigrants um, they're, they're both naturalized citizens they love voting they love watching the curious. news where, where, what country am I um, from Trinidad and Grenada in Got the it. Caribbean okay. right and um, and so they're watching they're like news junkies they're watching the news and they're witnessing elite opinion makers talk to other elite opinion makers around what do working class people think what what are communities of color like what are what are the beating heart issues in communities of color like how do how do we how do we advance the working class vote elite folks talking to elite folks about us right and to me I find that to be really problematic, right? And so we need to break that echo chamber, the elite echo chamber, and we need to have conversations that reflect our lived experience back at at, at us. You know, it's like we are experts Mm -hmm. at our own experience. And we don't need elites telling us how we should feel about our politics. We know because we experience it every day. And so one of the things, one of the tricks is folks convincing us what's electable, right? I think that a lot of the support that that Joe Biden is getting is based on everyday people not necessarily preferring him, but believing the elite chatter that a small bore policy white guy with a a steady, steady hand on the on the ship 
is what America needs and what America would tolerate. I, and don't you also think it's, they think that, well, the, the trade-off they're willing to make now is that it's the only guy that they think or been made to believe can beat Trump. Yeah, I mean, because they're hearing it over and over and over again. But they personally, right. if you ask them, okay, cool, but but who do you who it's do you actually story. value? Who would you actually want to win? Right. And it's like, oh, well, I mean, if I could have it my way, Elizabeth Warren or Bernie, or, but Biden's the guy that's gonna do exactly. it. That's an amazing disconnect. And I've talked to so many people it's rarely that I meet like a true, true supporter, Bernie, I'm uh, a true, supporter of a true Biden, Biden person, right. right? They're like, yeah, a Biden's this. Biden to me is the person I think most American. But what, if most Americans are saying my actual, my actual choice is another person, what would it mean if we break, uh, broke down and challenged the the orthodoxy around electability and say, well, electability is actually based on who everyday people actually believe it right right and if we can harness that energy because when you campaign for somebody you actually believe in you're not just voting for them you're telling everybody you're right. telling your your mama your cousin everybody about them you're knocking on doors for them you're giving your small dollar donations right. to them that's how we win we build a movement now maurice let me ask you this now with with regards to the working feminist party and the Democratic Party. Yeah. How are you symbiotically existing and uh, meaning you are sort of considered the progressive wing of the party in some extent? Sure. So let me explain this, right? We recognize that we live in a very entrenched two-party system. Right. Right. And for decades and decades, there's state by state, there are all these election laws that prevent all types of interesting political opinions and third parties from emerging. Right. So we recognize that that's a, a fundamental challenge, right? What we like to do is cook what we have in the kitchen. Right. Right. So one of the things that we do is we engage in Democratic primaries as a site of struggle. Right. And we target corporate Democrats and other people who aren't accountable. And we surface our own working families folks to run against them on a, on a progressive agenda. Right. So that's number one. Number two. Over time, we absolutely want to transform party politics. We want to transform party politics. So so more upstarts and third parties could actually exist in a way where the spoiler dilemma doesn't exist. So fusion voting, rank choice voting and other things. That's a that's a structural change that we uh, that we that we believe in. But in the meantime, we think that there's an interesting fight within the Democratic Party. There's two sets of people. There's people who think the Democratic Party could be reformed. Right. And there's people who think that it's naive to imagine that a party that's so corporately captured could ever really what be... What is your thought? Um, so, I have an opinion on that. And I want your opinion on that. So, I believe that the... De- I, both, I believe both things. Right. I believe that, the, of course, like any institution, mm-hmm. the Democratic Party can be reformed. Right. Any institution can be reformed. Right. And I'm not so cynical... I'm a, I believe in transformative change. I'm not right. so cynical that right. I don't believe institutions can be reformed. However, right. just like a tree branch, right? Like if you, if you, you could, you could, um, you could manipulate the branch of a tree in many right. different directions. Makes, yeah. But there's a point of rupture. If you pull that branch too far, it it'll breaks. break. Yeah. That's the same for any institution. Right. That's the same for the Democratic Party. So there's a point of transformation that might cause a rupture in the Democratic Party. You have to understand the Democratic Party has within this big tent 
folks in Wall Street and people who identify as Democratic, a Democratic Socialist, Socialist right? right? It's a really, really big tent. Right. And so if the left faction in the Democratic Party builds steam right. and organizes and continues to reform the Democratic Party, there may be a point of rupture, which right. is why institutions like the Working Families Party is so essential. And it's ready. And it's ready. Right. So if that point of rupture does happen, those forces have a safe landing. Okay. Now, if that point of rupture doesn't happen, right. or if that point of rupture takes years, you need independent electoral vehicles constantly moving our entire politics, not right. just the Democratic right. Party, right. further to the grassroots. Right. And, and so it's essential to me the corporations of Wall Street are always going to fund the Democratic Party, right. right? Everyday, like, working people, the people that are listening, you need to invest in vehicles like the Working Families Party and other vehicles. Um, talking about investment yep. in your vehicles. Yep. Are you? What states are you in currently? We're in 14 states, 14. and we're growing, right? Are you in Texas, by the way? Yeah, we're in Texas. Okay. Um, so we have a staff operation in 14 states and growing, and we have activists in every single state, mm -hmm. right? And one of the things that I'm doing, I, I've just, I've become a director of the national, I've become a national director of the so party. So you run the party? I run the party. Uh, I'm the national director. I started in August of last year. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I'm doing to transform the party is I'm building tools, and we'll be offering these tools soon to people wherever you are, even if you're not in a state where we have a staffed operations, right. where you could pull down the tools of the party and begin to party build on the hyper-local level, in the neighborhood level, on the municipal level. Let me ask you a technical question yeah. here, because... Uh, uh, right now, we've been building a whole lot of precinct chairs and so forth under the Democratic Party. Yeah. And there are some rules uh, as far as being affiliated with any other party. What's the... What, are, you, sure. are you guys considered a party or so, how does it work? Um, so there's a short answer to that, mm -hmm. which is there's fusion voting. Mm -hmm. um, and in four of the states where there's fusion voting... New York, Connecticut, Oregon, and South Carolina, we are a political party in every single way. Right. Fusion voting means that you, as, a, as a, right. an elected, elected official or somebody running for office, you can be endorsed by a number of parties, right. which means you have to do the spoiler thing, because right. you could be a working families person and also be endorsed by the Democrats, right? right? So in places where there isn't fusion, um, we don't have party status in that way. Right. But regardless, we work... The, re the reality is that we work with people where there's a common interest. Mm -hmm. And we often have a common interest with, with Democrat, Democratic parties and states right. all over the country, right? Or, or folks who identify as Democrats in states all over the country. Right. Sometimes our interests don't rub together, right? right? And we have those battles, you know? So, so we, we primaried the incumbent Democratic governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo. Right. Good, um, good job. And we and in that primary fight, although our although our, our candidate didn't win, Andrew Cuomo had to spend thirty million dollars on and his campaign his cash, position. and he moved his position. Yes. Radically, he did 180s on marijuana. Right. He did 180s on a number. We call it the Cynthia effect because right. we we um, we endorsed Cynthia Nixon. Cynthia. Forced him to move. Absolutely. Yeah. So that I shows. I interviewed her back in that last year. Great. Yeah. So that shows how our politics are effective, right? right? We we are willing to have those fights. Right. You know, we're not going to unilaterally disarm right. against um, the corporate faction of the of the Democratic Party for false unity. Right. We think those fights need to happen, and we need to fight the the far right, right, both and, right, and so we we take on those fights, and but in other places, especially when the Democrats are out of power, the, 
Listen, it's a united front. <laughs> yep, so it's a united front, and wrong. we're more than happy to form an electoral united front with any faction that's interested in fighting the ultra-right wing. What we want to do, so, so people talk about how Texas is going to eventually become blue. Right. Right? And um, how Georgia may become blue. Right. We're not satisfied with that. Right. We're not satisfied. You want a progressive, a progressive blue in Georgia and a progressive blue in Texas. Absolutely. Yeah. We're not satisfied simply by shifting from Republicans to so, Democrats in which, state houses. Which, again, the establishment is the establishment yeah. is the establishment party notwithstanding. Yeah. Um, Maurice, give my audience, I mean, that was a great uh, great intro that I that we had to you here at Netroots in the Daily Coast um, room. Give our audience a reason. Give the audience a reason for following what you guys are doing, for supporting what you guys are doing, and for contributing to the people you support. Absolutely. So, listen. First of all, for the newcomers, who you are, again. Yes. So my name is Maurice Mitchell. I'm the National Director of the Working Families Party. So, um, there's some people that say the definition of insanity is doing the same things and expecting a different outcome, right? right? So for generations, we've done the same things and it's led to a Trump presidency, to the ultra far right taking control of the federal government, right? And us being at the losing position in many, many ways as a movement. And so I encourage everybody to do things very, very different in their politics. One of the things that they could do is support the Working Families Party, become a member, and support our candidates, right? We reflect politics as we desire it actually to be, right? So if you want to engage in politics in a way where you you feel grounded in your values, and you actually win, we're winning elections, Mm -hmm. and you do it on, on your terms, this is the place to do politics in a way that aligns with our values. And that I would encourage everybody to do that. And if you believe that aligning with our values is the way that we take back the heart and soul of this country, then come to Working Families Party. We're growing, we're building, we have aspirations to be in every single state, and we could only do it in partnership with everyday people like the folks who are watching right now. Maurice Mitchell, National Director of the Working Parties. The Working Families Party. Party. That's right. Thank you so kindly for being with me. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. You can get any one of my books as a gift for becoming a member of KPFT. Go to kpft.org, click that donate button, select Politics Done Right as the show you're supporting, and go into the gift area and select, as I see it, Class Warfare, the only resort to right-wing doom, or you can also get It's worth it how to talk to your right-wing relatives, friends, and neighbors, or go to how to make America utopia. Take away the economy from those who rigged it. If you get one book, it gives you one particular membership price. Two books, you get a discount, and three books, you get an even better discount. So please consider becoming a member of KPFT, and in the process, you get the gifts of the books. You can get Politics Done Right Mondays through Fridays on Facebook Live at facebook.com slash politicsdoneright. On YouTube Live at politicsdoneright.com slash YouTube. Please do not forget to follow me on Twitter for updates. My handle is at Egberto Willis at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. That's it, folks. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. And you know how I end this, baby. I am what?
out. Welcome to Politics Done Right. I am your host, Egberto Willis. This is a progressive program that will take the mystery out of politics. This is the program that will encourage you to make sure government becomes we the people. Whether you are liberal, progressive, conservative, or otherwise, you get to air your point of view. We are an independent media outlet that, unlike mainstream media beholden to corporations, we only owe allegiance to 